things look a little different. They maybe sound a little different because this is the first ever episode where I do not have guy and host and my producer and my husband. So uh, this is going to be a little different episode today. We're going to be, uh, I say we, I'm going to be talking with you. It's going to be one angle this time and just one microphone. And so I hope that you are um, comfortable. Get a cup of tea, maybe a book, maybe a color. I don't know you want to have with you as you listen to this episode. We are going to talk about a grief observed. You're listening to the Nick Smith Podcast. Connecting you to living truth. If you'd like to support our podcast, rate us on iTunes. Or join our inner circle through patreon.com. And don't forget to share this on social media so that all of your friends and family can know what you're listening to. Hey, I am one of your hosts, Kylie Joe, and I am uh, so excited that you are joining me today. Uh, first, I just want to say Happy Easter. Uh, if you are listening to this on uh, Resurrection Sunday, God bless you, and I hope that today you're able, able to celebrate the joy of what this day is and what it means for us. We are not just a Christmas people. We are a resurrection people. So uh, happy Easter. Thank you for joining me. And also, I want to say thank you. Just a special shout out to um, Mr. and Mrs. Nate Webb, who joined us at Scene. Uh, you may have remembered that we talked about it a couple of um a couple of weeks ago, um, that we were doing a performance of this amazing um, piece of work called Scene. And um, Mr. and Mrs. Webb uh, came uh, all the way to Lancaster County and um, came to see that. So thank you guys for coming and supporting. And uh, for those of you that didn't get a chance to make it out, I'm sure there will be other opportunities. And I hope you will at least go and listen to the music um, of Scene. It's available on uh, Apple Music and iTunes. You can just look it up. Um, there's some great, amazing music that I know will just inspire you um, as you listen to it. So um, also a couple of housekeeping things, announcements. I know that my husband will not be okay if I do not shout out our inner circle. Um, you guys are the ones who make this possible. You've made so much possible, um, whether it's uh, putting our studio together, helping us to know um, what direction we want to go in, uh, or just laughing at our weird jokes and Christian memes that we put up on the Inner Circle page. So thank you guys so much for being a part of the Inner Circle. Um, the Inner Circle is growing. It has grown uh, so much more than what we expected. And so we hope that you will consider being a part of that if you are not already. Um, also, speaking of the Inner Circle, uh, last year, I think it was last year, or maybe it was like longer than that ago that we <laughs> released the EP, the mixtape. You guys remember that? So we released it to the Inner Circle alone, and it was a very rough mixtape. Like, it was a mixtape in every sense of the word mixtape. And now we have uh, finally finished that. We would like to release it to everyone. All get to hear it. And so that is going to be coming out on April 29th, but pre-orders will start on April 19th. So two days after Easter, middle of the week, kind of a random day, but it's 10 days before the official release on April 29th. Official release. April 19th is when you will want to pre-order that. And so if you follow me on social media, uh, at Kylie Joe Music, you will be able to see all of the announcements about that. I'm going to be blowing it up. So I'm really excited about this. We have some new music that is kind of my favorite. So I hope you'll um, give that a listen and share it with some other folks. All right, going to get into 
this today. It's so weird not having my husband with me. It's just, eh, I don't like it. Um, but Nick is traveling right now. He's, he's visiting family and you know how traveling is and um, all of the costs associated with that. And so this time we just um, decided it would be best for him to go um, solo and he's enjoying his time with family. So um, pray for him, if you will, as he's coming back soon. And I'm just going to get into some, some stuff today and talk kind of transparently with all of you. Um, I was actually talking with Nick and we're like, what should, like, do you want to do an episode? Should we just do like each of us do a little, like maybe a a FaceTime video that we record or how are we going to do this? And I was like, you know, I really want to share something that God put on my heart. Now, if you did not get a chance to see the video that Nick put out, um, I think it was last week, like the beginning part of last week. It was a really good video about, um, like, you don't have to be okay. It was like saying like, hey, hey you, hey girl, you don't have to be okay. There's nothing that says that in this life you need to pretend that things are okay or that it was a really encouraging video. It was a little bit, like there were things in it that I was like, wow, I didn't realize how much I needed to hear that. But before he put the video out, the night before actually, I had been, um, we had just been coming um, back to our normal routine after scene, which was amazing. It was a wonderful experience, so worshipful and so like heightened in uh, that emotional intensity. And I love experiences like that because it gives me a chance to, you know, that's why we love going to live theater. It's why we enjoy going and watching somebody live out an experience. It, it brings catharsis. It brings, you know, it helps you to go through your own kind of whatever you want to call it. And so it's a, it's a way to process and it's a way to um, relate to something, uh, something bigger than, than the individual. And um, had been coming down from that and like just processing and like all the things that I felt that the Lord was putting on my heart from that experience. And I was getting ready for bed and I think Nick was putting our little ones to bed. And I just got hit with this wave of grief. Like it was unmistakable. I was like thinking about stuff and I was like, oh yeah, so cool. And like, I was thinking about people that I saw and like how excited I was to get to see these people after um, several years of not getting to connect with them. And my heart was just hurting. Like it was, it was painful. It was like a grief that I couldn't ignore. Um, And I'm really good at tuning out things. I'm really, really good at, at tuning out even my own emotions, even grief uh, at times. And I think some of it is maybe rooted in um, having felt the need to do that so often um, in different situations and circumstances. And so I, I can be really good at it. But in this moment, it was just me. And I, I, I didn't, I couldn't tune it out. And um, there's this analogy I love about grief. That is, if you're a visual person like me, it might help you. If you draw a picture of a, a big box, like a square, and in that box is a button. And that button triggers your grief or whatever intense emotion. Um, in this case, it's grief. And that button is there. It's always there. Um, and there's this ball that's bouncing around inside of the box that is going to hit that button eventually. Now the ball starts out really big. When that, that first moment of grief happens or that tragedy strikes, that ball is huge. And every time it moves, it hits the button every single time. doesn't matter because it's so big, it fills the box. But over time, 
that ball gets smaller and smaller and to where it's still bouncing around inside of the box, but it's not hitting the button as often. But when it does, it still brings on the same level of emotion and possibly intensity and pain as that first time. And so I think in this moment I was experiencing kind of that ball was bouncing around and it was pretty fine for a while. And then it just hit that button. And um, I found myself grieving a lot of things. I didn't think that I needed to grieve. And one of the reasons I think I didn't need to grieve it, um, these things was because in my mind, I had told myself at some point um, in my growth as a mother and as a wife that um, I just needed to grow up. I think I had told myself, like, get over it. Whatever this feeling you're having, this boo-hoo, wah-wah, pity party, um, I had kind of, like, mommed myself and been like, get over it, grow up, be a big girl, put on your big girl pants and stop moping about this. Um, however, um, that, while that was protective and I feel like I was trying to protect myself from something, um, a hard truth for me is that protection is not the same as healing. And I was really good at protecting myself, very good at it. I was very good at defending myself. Anybody else out there, like you, you can be defensive at anything, even against yourself. And so I think I had gotten to that place where I felt so protected by the things that I was telling myself and by the, the ways that I was like rationalizing what I was doing and thinking and saying that um, I was not really healing, but I was, I was just so protected and guarded at times. Um, and another thing that was crazy is like, I, our family is in such a place of abundance. And a friend of mine actually um, observed this and, and stated it to me um, when I was sharing some of these same thoughts with her um, just a few days ago. She was like, I think it's interesting that you feel some of these things um, when you are in such a place to nurture so much. And really, to me, I see that as abundance. Like I have so much abundance that I can point to and say, wow, God is working here and God is working there. And and on the outside, or maybe from a, a very distant perspective, it would be easy to say, well, how could you possibly be grieving when God has done so much? God has been so good. And I think that's a really dangerous place to be uh, for Christians because we can, we can minimize and diminish someone's emotional processing in this effort to outpraise their sadness like oh but god is so good but look let's look at the good let's look at the positive let's see what's what's the silver lining like these are all great and positive things that can be helpful and can um you know they can they can be positive and well-meaning but uh, i know there's a scripture somewhere that talks about like you know when you go to someone to to outshine whatever frustration or sadness they're going through, it can actually feel a little bit different than what you mean it to. I actually don't know if that's a scripture, and I may have just pulled that out. I feel like it's in Proverbs. Nick would tell me. Anyway, so, um, so yeah, I think it's, it's really important that we not try to rush people through that grieving process, whatever it looks like. It could be grieving a job, a uh, job loss, or maybe not a job loss, but not getting a job that somebody was really hoping for. You can still grieve that because in our minds, we can build up what it's going to be like if we get the job. And then when we don't get it, it's almost as if we actually lost the job. And I know that might sound crazy, but um, our minds are so incredibly powerful that um, we have to remember that everyone processes things differently. Now, some people 
um, we might be able to say, well, let's help you process this in a healthy way. I'm not saying that everyone's process is good or right, but there are some things about how we process that we really have to be tender and, and sensitive to um, and gracious with so that we don't try to rush people through that. Like, okay, we'll just get over it. You, there's plenty of other fish in the sea. I mean, for me, I think, um, I think the grieving that I was experiencing, it, it's so interesting. And I was really like, when I was talking with the Lord, I was like, why now? Like, why am I grieving this now? I was grieving a season that was, you know, is almost eight, is almost nine years old at this point. Uh, I was grieving a season where, you know, we, our family, we had lived on the East Coast um, before when, when Nick and I were newlyweds. We, we moved here to work here. We worked for this amazing theater ministry. Uh, we were part of um, community that was thriving. We were part of a growing community of other young believers, other people who were married, other people who were starting families or continuing to grow their family. And it was just an amazing time. Um, it was before COVID. It was before, like, it was such an interesting, perfect, like I say perfect, but it, it seemed so perfectly plotted out how we are in relationship with all of these amazing people. And um, unfortunately, well, we, sorry, not unfortunately, we were fortunate to be pregnant with our first child during that time, which is like even more of like just a, a testimony of God's goodness. Like, oh, wow. And we're growing, we're, we're nurturing a life together um, as far as like our newlywed life and growing and getting to know each other more. Like, you know how, how couples do, you know how we do when we're first married. It's like, oh, it's like lovey-dovey and everything's like just so new. And we're nurturing a life, like an actual physical life. Um, so that was amazing. And we were surrounded by, again, a community of support and just being poured into um, in ways that we just, we really were walking in such a glow of favor. And we were just so, so happy, um, so, so joyful, I will say. And unfortunately, during that time, we also experienced a great shift because we had a tragedy in our family. And that brought about such a shift that um, I know at the time I, I was really not happy with it, but I didn't realize how much it would affect me um, going into motherhood. And so the shift happened of death and loss. And I remember having a conversation with Nick where it was like, he was like, we're going to have to move. We have to leave. We have to leave here. And I remember being like, okay, yeah, like, sure. All right. Yeah. Like it's, but you're serious. You really mean it. Like this is really going to happen. And I remember physically feeling this grief in my heart of not being around the people we were around and not having that support and not, not fully understanding what it would look like. But I remember having this, I mean, I wept and my husband was holding me um, as I was like pregnant and realizing that all of the people who had been with me in pregnancy weren't going to be there. And again, I couldn't fully fathom it. I couldn't fully like grasp it, but it was just like the emotions of pregnancy and everything. I was just weeping and, and crying out. And then as we like at the end of the pregnancy, we're telling people like, Hey, yeah, we're gonna be moving. And it's so many people that were like, Oh my gosh, I don't want to see you guys go. I don't want to see, Oh, please don't. I just wish you would stay. And when are you leaving? And you know, we're leaving right after the baby's born, uh, which I do not recommend at all. 100%. If there's any advice I can give, like unasked for advice to any woman who is giving birth anytime soon. Don't move right after your baby is born. Just don't do it. 
I don't recommend it. I've done it twice, and I, I think it's one of the worst experiences. Um, but all that to say, we, we, we got ready to move. Um, the people, again, who had been surrounding us, surrounded us again. You know, we had a meal train right after Isaiah was born, and we had people coming over to help pack and coming to hold the baby, and we're taking pictures. And it was like this weird mix of, like, joy and angst and anticipation and anxiety because I knew that as we continued to see people, it wasn't just them coming to say hi to the baby and to love on us. It was them saying goodbye. And I never really processed that in the moment. I didn't really, I didn't allow myself to go there. I was so like, you know, when you have a baby, your first child is like, oh my gosh, like you're sleep deprived and you're hungry and you're thirsty (laughs) and you don't, you know, you feel fat and everything's just like, it's a blur anyway. And so I going through that, um, and when we left it, it was, it felt a little bit like leaving camp. Like there was just this amazing, like, oh, wow, we had such great experiences together. But when you leave camp, you, you have an understanding that we'll be back next summer and we'll get to do this whole thing again and it'll be great. Um, and we didn't have that. Um, and I actually, I tell this story sometimes it's crazy. It's so weird. Um, I used to not be able to tell the story without crying. I think I'm good now, but, um, a friend of ours, a very good friend of ours, had given us a rocking chair that looked identical to the rocking chair my grandma had had when I was little. And I was like, oh my gosh, we can just have it. He was moving and he was like, please take it. And we were, at the time we had gotten it, we thought we would be putting a nursery together, but of course it wasn't a nursery. We were just packing everything up. But um, I was getting ready with Isaiah like to go on the moving truck. And we had some friends that came over to help put the moving truck together and like did everything, did everything. I didn't have to lift a finger. I just was holding the baby and nursing him. And I get, and you know, get in the truck, we drive like 20 some hours. Um, We had friends who even coordinated for us to have a place to stay on our way back. Oh, we even had friends. This is crazy. One of our friends sent her husband to, to drive our moving truck while we drove our car. Amazing. So we're, we're doing that. We get, we get all the way to Kansas, the dead of, winter and we pull up to the place where we're going to be living and that whole situation was uh, just another mess in and of itself that added to the, the emotionality of that trip but we get there and we're unpacking the truck the next day and I'm like where's my rocking chair I, I, I kind of want to sit in my rocking chair and Nick's face is like uh oh oh right the rocking chair yeah I gave it to our friends who are also, they were uh, expecting a baby. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Do what now? And it's, it sounds so maybe weird or maybe like, come on, it's just a rocking chair. But I had this entire community of women that surrounded me who were, you know, my, my doulas and my, my people, my tribe. And that was gone. I had that I had no control over um, not being around them anymore. And I had this one thing that I was so looking forward to, to holding my child and rocking him because it was just like the one my grandma had had. And now that was gone. All of those things, as small and, and minuscule as it may seem, those things were over 2,000 miles away. And it felt like just the world was crumbling around me. And some of these things I did process in the moment. Some of these things I did understand. Like I'm, I, I went through postpartum depression. I went through 
Um, unfortunately, there's there's a percentage of women who experience um, suicidal thoughts and ideation and um, the, the call of the void that happens. And, and not just women who are in postpartum, but the call of the void is that feeling of like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen if I die? What happens when I die? Um, I experienced all of that. And um, I also experienced this like weird shift of oh, you know, I can still be friends with these people. This was, you know, we still had Facebook and Instagram was kind of, kind of a thing, I guess. It was maybe becoming a thing. I don't remember all of it, but um, didn't have TikTok or any of that, but we had connection. We had ability to FaceTime. We had the ability to, um, uh, not Zoom, what was it? Back then? Skype, we had Skype. That's what it was. <laughs> um, had all of that available. And a couple of times, you know, would video chat a, a, a girlfriend or, you know, texting and sending pictures of Isaiah because that's what you do when you have a baby. You take a million pictures because they're just so cute. And, um, you know, I had a few like, hey, how's it going? How are you? Like, really, how are you? And, But I never felt like I could tell them. I never felt like I could say, well, I'm really struggling to want to live. I'm really struggling to want to be here. And not just here, like, away from our community, but, like, here existing. And the further I got into postpartum and the more, you know, the older Isaiah got, and I just realized that those connections just got more distant. And I, I said to myself um, at one point, I said, you know, there's really only so many times I can text this person or make this phone call before I realized that it's just not, it's not the connection I, that I, that I need or that I want in this season. And, um, you know, I, I remember starting to doubt if those connections had ever been authentic. I remember starting to doubt if, you know, if those friendships were anything that had weight. Um, and it was hard. It was, it was difficult. It was all the bad stuff. That's all the bad. Um, and I'll take a, a pause here just to say, like, if, if you know somebody who needs to hear this, I know it's a weird segue into that um, because it all does seem so bleak at that point. But truly, if you know someone who's been through postpartum depression or who has had to go through similar circumstances of, of huge, significant, um, uncontrollable life changes um, in pregnancy and postpartum, please share this with them. Um, and hopefully it can give them at least some hope. Um, so I say all of this and I talk about this grief that hit me last week. Um, because... I had gone through a lot that I thought I was healed from. And I realized, like I said at the beginning, I realized I was, I was protected. I was guarded. I was very good at um, self-preservation, but I was not healed of those things. And I, I can't even say that right now I'm, I, I know that full healing. Um, I know that it is possible. I know that it's coming, but um, it's something that I have had to grieve. Um, and I had to grieve it after coming back, back to this place and being around the people that I have loved from a distance and longed to be around because I loved them so much and because I felt that we had friendship and, and camaraderie. And I remember watching, there was um, a moment where I was like, oh, wow, like this person has kids that are my kids' age. And I remember conversations I'd had with that person about our kids like being friends and growing up together and that 
little twinge of grief came, but I was so good at protecting. I was like, oh, but it's cool. It's cool. Like we're here now, right? It's, it's so, so amazing that we're back here because God is so good and he, he does seek to restore and he does seek to bring things full circle. I, I know that he is a God who does that and that he is doing that even now in all of creation. But in this moment, I was like, yeah, it's okay. It's good. Like this is a good thing. Um, but then later when that, when that ball was bouncing around, it's like, hmm, how do you feel about it now? <laughs> how do you feel about that? That thing you said earlier. Um, and you know, it, it's crazy experiencing that grief alone. Um, it reminded me of that season where I was processing so many things alone. Um, and I say, but God, not lightly, um, because there's something very real about understanding that in your hour of darkness, that dark night of the soul, that you are not alone. You know, I was, I was having this moment of like, God, why are you bringing this up to me again? Why is this? You know, I'm, I'm sad that I look here and I see, you know, missed connection. I look here and I see missed connection. I look here and I see like, wow, like I feel like we miss out on so much um, friendship and connection. And I keep saying that word connection but relationship. Um, and you know, it, you know, when, when God, when like, okay, this is going to sound dramatic and I don't mean this to compare myself to this person in scripture, but when Job is like, you know, lost everything. Um, and God comes in and is like, um, excuse me. Uh, but who made you, but like, (laughs) but who gave you any of this? Who who is it that did just, just let me know who it is. And as I was going through this and processing in my mind, like the loss and how it affected, I could just hear the Holy Spirit saying, but who was there? Who was with you? Who was the one whose relationship was there for you always? And in truth, if there's any testimony that I can give, any hope, any solid footing that I have in my grief, it is that Jesus, in putting me through that, was never away from me. He was never far off watching or saying, here you go, take this isolation, take this feeling and just, you know, just wallow in it. He was never far. And scripture says that he is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. I mean, being crushed in spirit. And we use that term like, oh man, I was so crushed. Like, ugh, bummer. But no, I, it's so much more than that to be crushed in spirit and to know what it feels like to have your hopes, you know, those aspirations of what your life is going to look like, whatever those may be, whether it's professional or relational or spiritual or whatever that is maybe financial, like to have that crushed and to feel that in your spirit and then to know that God says, well, I'm going to save you from that. I'm going to save you despite this hope that you had being dashed on the rocks. I'm going to save you to show you what your hope should be in. And 
it, it's a sobering conviction to know that when I was feeling that, when I was in my feelings, when I was so broken and so depressed, that did not want to live, that God alone held me up. That it was God through, you know, several women who I could count on one hand who would say, hey, I got this sermon I think you should listen to. I have a sermon series I think you would really enjoy that I'm enjoying. Um, and this sermon series about the redemption of Eve. You know, I think you should listen to it. Or it was the, the woman who um, didn't have any children of her own, was, was newly married, who would say, hey, you know, come hang out with me. Come spend time with me. I want to spend time with you. Um, it was the, this church family that, um, by happenstance, an old pastor had told us, you should go to this church. You guys should go there. I think you should go to that church. And we show up and are embraced and surrounded in love. Like those are the moments of grace that God sovereignly and meticulously planned out that in that darkness and in that despair, we would have, would give us hope and life and and something um, sure to stand on. And so even as I, you know, experienced this wave of grief and it just brought back all these emotions of, oh my gosh, like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and it felt a little bit like a spiral. It was as if God put all of that in front of me and said, but, but, but my child, look, look at what I was doing in the midst. of And in truth, I, I, I say we were isolated and we were alone and we were um, really forced to thrive in obscurity for a very good portion <laughs> of this last 10 years of our life together. Um, but if not for that time, if not for that grief that needed to be observed, I don't think my husband and I would have the marriage we have. I don't think my children would have the mother they have. I don't think we would have ministry we have. So even as I observe the grief and I, I recognize that the loss and the frustration and the pain and, you know, sometimes the hurt feelings about it, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. And it, it reminds me of the cross, how sometimes we can't really know <laughs> how good that resurrection is unless we really understand what Friday was. You know, Sunday is great. And I love when people know it's Friday, but Sunday is coming. You know, I think it's Sunday, but man, this really would not have so much glory if we did not see the darkness of Friday. And so maybe you're in a place right now where you are experiencing that grief. You've lost. You have no hope. Maybe that, that ball inside your box is so huge that every time something comes up, it's just hitting that button of grief and you are beside yourself with what to do. But I want you to know that that is the stuff that ministry is made of. That is the stuff that hope and blessed assurance, that is the stuff that relationship is made of. That is the stuff that we need more of in the church. We need those Good Friday moments and seasons to propel us, 
to resurrection day. And we need to be able to keep a, a healthy view. Um, and actually, I'm filming this on a Saturday, so I, I'm like right in the middle, <laughs> right, right between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday that I'm like, we need to keep such a healthy view of where we've come from and where we're headed. Because if we don't, it is very easy to get focused on just what I'm feeling and what I think I should have and what I think I'm owed or entitled to and forget what we've come through, what God has allowed us to grow through. And so if any of this has spoken to you, if this has blessed you, I I hope um, that you will share this with somebody. I hope that it has given you um, not just a glimpse into my life and my experience because it's it's not just about that. Um, Our family really seeks to use everything that we have, everything given to show the the glory and the goodness and the grace of God. And, And I know personally that that that's what it does for me, but I want it to do it for you as well. And so if it has, please share, please comment below and let us know um, what you're going through as well. And again, happy Easter, happy Resurrection Day. May you be truly blessed. This has been the Nick Smith Podcast. I hope that this episode has connected you to living truth. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Nick Smith Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us, and we hope that you'll consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Don't forget to rate and share this podcast. And if you haven't already, follow us on social media. If you want to be a part of our family's mission to entertain, educate, and empower others, please consider becoming one of our Patreon supporters. Exclusive Nick Smith merchandise is available to you through our online store at www.nicksmithpodcast.com.